you just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't you know, true. Certainly, like I said, coach our kids to, to do the right thing and uh, you know, play with poise, play with confidence, play with dignity, play with class. At the same time, we're not going to take anyone's shit either. We want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? All I want to do is fucking eat! I want you to eat! I want you to eat! I want you to want this shit! Do you want it? Do you want it? Show me! Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane. Who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter? What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, 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 buddy, what's going on? Hey, not much, Shane. We still got, uh, you know, a couple days away from the SEC action. We've got some bowl games. You know, we've had bowl games all weekend, but it really don't get the juices flowing for me until we get this SEC action. But I did want to talk about, uh, you know, I don't want to just meander about nothing here. We still got some recruiting talk, Shane. We kind of didn't get into the coaching press conferences from last week about these coaches talking about their classes. So I just thought this would be a good opportunity to go around the league and kind of uh, hit on some of these teams. You ready to uh, you ready to talk some some recap of the summer recruiting? Yeah, buddy, let's do it. Uh, but before we go around the league, Shay, my favorite man, I'm I'm loving this guy every day. I'm falling more and more into this uh, Sam Pittman at Arkansas. I know it was unorthodox hire. And not saying they're going to, you know, turn around and, and rule the SEC by any means next season or anything. But just continue for, for our sake, for Arkansas fans. I'm loving this Sam Pittman hire, Shane. And going through all these coaches' press conferences, I thought the highlight of all of them, I watched them all, <laughs> was old Sam Pittman talking about barbecue. Coaching your, your visits with Blaine Toll, what was your impressions of him as a kid and then as a player too? I loved him. Um, they had the best barbecue in the world. and I mean, I don't want to offend anybody barbecue. You probably got some good at your house, but maybe you? No. But that barbecue was good. And uh, we went in there and visited with his mom and dad, who are wonderful people. I mean, how can you not love this guy, Shane? I mean, he's fielded a question. I know we don't have the video here, but he's fielding a question from one guy, and then he's looking across the room saying, you got better barbecue? How about you? I mean, he's picking out all these random people. I mean, this guy's. I mean, he's great, isn't he? Dude, you know who he reminds me of? You know, because I didn't get to watch the video. You know, just for the listeners, um, you know, Mike, Mike does all the work, man. I'm telling you, I'm – I'm just here to, to to just chew the fat with Mike here, but <laughs> he sends me a clip, an audio clip on my way home. So I'm listening to all these coaches about 30 minutes. So just uh, that's just a little uh, premonition to your show today. Um, but as we're discussing, I'm listening to him, and you know what he he reminds me of? Ron White. You ever listen to Ron White, the comedian? 
Oh yeah, I'm a big <laughs> fan. I just kept waiting to hear that bourbon and and ice <laughs> clink in his glass, you know, just, you know, and say tater salad or something. <laughs> just, you know, it's just, that's what he sounds like. That's what he comes across as. And uh, this was a fantastic, uh, fantastic clip, the entire thing. Because when I did get home, I did watch the video and, and you're right. He was just, he was looking, he was looking for a better barbecue place. <laughs> he wasn't just making short talk. He was, he's like, okay, where should I be going? <laughs> All right, Shane, you ready to go around the league? Yeah, man, let's do it. Now let's go around the league. My my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So uh, (laughs) so I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up, and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why, why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. Uh, we'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey guys, hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. All right, let's start here in Baton Rouge, Shane, where, of course, the Tigers in the college football playoff got, uh, you know, everything in front of them. But that was one of our big takeaways from uh, the early signing period recap show was the fact, you know, it's not it's not like the LSU did terrible in the recruiting rankings. You know, they're still uh, top five, I believe, but there was some hope they could finish number one. And the real the thing that really seemed to hurt them during the early signing period was losing guys that they had already had committed. They won some big uh, commitments, so to speak, during the early period, but they lost some guys too. And uh, Ed Orgeron, he talked about that, how making the college football playoff, you know, we've always heard Nick Saban kind of complain and bitch about how he's got to play in these national championship games. He wish he could be out recruiting. We're starting to hear it a little bit from Ed Orgeron, too, because he talked about that. And then, uh, of course, the Clydesdale, about his injury. And I should note, Shane, since he's made this statement, I don't think we have an update or anything on uh, Clyde's Edwards, Clyde Edwards-Alaire's injury, but he has been spotted walking around, no boot, no crushes, crutches or anything. So that's promising. Um, and then also Coach O talks about the surprises of the early signing period. And, of course, you know, Rakeem Jarrett, the five-star, that's on everybody's mind, but he didn't really hit on Jarrett, but that that was a surprise to everybody, even the Maryland coach. So uh, let's uh, kick it over to Coach O. Yeah, well, you know, it, it was crunch time. Obviously, we only had one week, uh, and I had to go see 19 players in one week. I enjoyed it, but obviously I couldn't see everybody, and I think that hurt some guys' feeling that I, did, I couldn't go in there and, and understand it. So, but uh, – we did the best that we can. I thought our guys worked very hard. Uh, we were very well organized. Outstanding class. What, what can you say about Clyde Edwards Hilaire's injury and his status? Yeah, Clyde did get hurt yesterday. Uh, I don't know the extent of his injury. I was just talking to Jack about it. Uh, he went and get some tests uh, today. And uh, we're going to know a little bit more towards the end of the week. But he did not practice today. Yeah, he could not practice. Do you anticipate him playing in the playoffs? I don't know that. I don't know. That. That's questionable. I don't know. I don't know the extent of the injury. Again, they had tests today. That's what I was talking to Jack about. Can you talk about Ty and 
yeah, they, they, they got to step up, next man up. If, if it's their turn, if Clyde can't play, those guys are going to step up and they're going to do very well. But I'm not uh, sure that Clyde can play or can't play yet. Uh, you know, you're always surprised. You know, you, you have conversations at night and you talk to them and they tell you they're coming and the next day they don't. I mean, that's that's recruiting. I mean, that, that's how it is. But, you know, we, we, we're concerned with the guys that got here. The guys that we don't get, hey, they weren't ours anyway. So it don't matter. Uh, we like, we, like, we love our program, but we like the guys that have been here. I wouldn't trade these guys for anybody else. Are there still some that you think might roll in the next couple of days? I don't know. It, it all depends. Obviously, it's open. I don't know if these guys are going to wait to February. I don't know if they know. we're going to keep on recruiting. If they want to sign tomorrow, we're definitely going to sign them. I just don't know. All right, Shane, so this is uh, just the reality, something that LSU's having to learn <laughs> for the first time. This is what we talk about, you know, that – that rise to the top of the mountain, that's, yeah. you know, that's the what drives people. And then when they get there, they kind of figure out what it's all about. And I think during this early signing period with, you know, preparations for, uh, you know, the SEC championship game, obviously the college football playoff, I'm not saying LSU is neglecting people on the recruiting trail by any means, but I think they're getting a little taste of, what Alabama and some of these other teams have been facing in years previous. So just what are your thoughts on what Coach O had to say here and uh, how, you know, making the college football playoff in a weird way may have kind of hurt LSU in recruiting a little bit. Yeah, I could see that, you know, but, you know, something he's talking about here was he couldn't get to everybody. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And you don't think that's Rakeem, do you? I mean, hell, there's not too many five stars out there. You know what I'm saying? Especially committed to LSU. It's a, it's a small group, and surely he went to go visit Rakeem. Have you heard anything different? Um, no, I have not heard anything different, but I see what he's saying there because they had a number of guys that didn't sign. Mm-hmm. I don't really know the specifics on each one. Maybe LSU is not really as interested as, you know, sometimes these kids commit, and then LSU wants them, and then all of a sudden they're 13-0, and 0 and – then every five-star in the world is considering LSU. I mean, they thought that they had a good chance with Jordan Birch, so they were leaving the spot open for him. Mm-hmm. Obviously leaving a spot for Rakeem. And then Rakeem signs with Maryland. Birch commits to South Carolina. All of a sudden, they're holding spots. But uh, <laughs> yeah. now they, you know, it's just like a weird dynamic. So I, I think what he's just basically saying is, I, from what I recall, LSU had about – 24 commits about a you know mm-hmm. two weeks ago they've they've had to cut a couple kids and you know it's just not possible for them to see all those kids and that's short of a period whether now i mean it's logistically possible but sometimes you know the other coaches recruiting them too so yeah. and, you know, if tuesday night don't work for somebody i mean nick it's just not going to happen so um and while that's kind of key there he's talking about the week most other teams that are not in the SEC championship, not in this uh, college football playoff, I think they had you know an extra week or two. So I, I think that's kind of what he's referring to, and that's kind of why I'm I'm kind of hitting at here that you know it may have actually hurt LSU a little bit. Yeah, because <laughs> you know freaking Loxley was over at this dude's house every day. You know, <laughs> <laughs> where's Coach O at? I don't know. Probably he's he's with Joe in New York. What are you doing? You know, it's just I don't know. Maybe maybe they just used it against him. You know, Coach O. That's the thing. You watch Coach O. He's such a personable guy, and I think that's why we like him so much. You know, you watch him on TV, but you know, it's just like 
you know, Coach O's only got so much time in a day. You know what I'm saying? And and he probably would love to have all these recruits, but there were some that got left out. And and maybe that was the situation here. This guy, you know, Rakeem just he needed to be pampered through this uh this recruiting process and he wasn't able to get that attention like he is at other universities, you know. Now last thing on LSU I wanted to ask you, Shane, because I know you're hell, you built the uh, Clydesdale bandwagon. LSU's a big favorite here against Oklahoma on Saturday, December 28th in the Peach Bowl. If Clydesdale, let's say he's, I mean, I'm just making a number up here, but let's say he's 75%. Do you even risk it? Do you sit him? I mean, is LSU such a favorite in a playoff game that they can afford to sit this guy? Because maybe they, I don't know if they can win the national championship without the Clydesdale at 100%. So where do you weigh that in your mind? I mean, I guess, you know, hopefully he's 100% for this Peach Bowl, and I'm just kind of, you know, we're just making talking points here, but it sounds like he's going to be limited. How much, you know, how limited before you kind of decide to sit him for a, a game of this magnitude? I don't know, man. I mean, listen to Coach and everything I've seen, we we really just don't know what we're dealing with. I mean, there's – there's a possibility Clyde doesn't play the rest of the season, you know, mm-hmm. not just this just this playoff game. So I think, you know, at this time, if he's able to play, I mean, if he's able to move, then yeah, man, you gotta get him in there. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this is he's he's that X factor with L he's what makes LSU so dynamic and not saying that, you know, they can't bring somebody in like John Emery and and be just as successful, but you know, this entire season, you know, a lot of people talk about how great Joe is, but you know, Clyde is a is a fantastic check down safety valve that that Joe's been relying on this entire season. So, uh, you know, that's a big part of this offense and and if he's able to play, yeah, definitely put him out there, but you don't want to risk it either cuz you know, this is a this is a kid that, you know, this may be his last season here at LSU. He hasn't came out and said that, but, you know, there's a chance he gets drafted. So, I don't know. You just got to be real careful with this one, and I think we need to wait before we just kind of make predictions, you know? Mm-hmm. All right, Shane. Well, let's kick it on down to Starkville, where Joe Moorhead uh, obviously recapped his signing day there last week. And, uh, you know, Mississippi State was a team we didn't really hit on a ton during our – early signing period recap show and the reason for that Shane you know they didn't win any big recruiting battles during that period but the biggest thing if you're a Bulldog fan they didn't lose anybody there was basically no drama with this class they've got a top 25 recruiting class that's not something that's always been done at Mississippi State so they're doing a hell of a job and you know damn near the entire class came from in-state players, junior college players from, you know, playing at junior colleges in the state of Mississippi. That's uh, probably the number one state for junior college football in the nation. Uh, Let's kick it over to Joe Moorhead, Shane, who, you know, he kind of apologized, I want to say, a little bit to Mississippi State fans. You know, he kind of called them out after the Egg Bowl Mm -hmm. and whatnot. I think this was a smart move by Coach Moorhead to kind of, you know, he needs to really bury that hatchet. Now that Lane Kiffin's grabbing all these headlines, you've got to kind of just move on with it and just continue to build up your program on the uh, no drama there in Starkville on the early signing period. And then he hits on uh, the in-state recruiting and how big that is for his program. You know, certainly, honestly, most importantly, but but 
you know, our fans play a, a huge role in this too. And, and when you talk about the fan support here at Mississippi State, you know, not, not just, you know, out in the state, but, but here in this building, the number of kids that we had at, at the Egg Bowl, or the number of fans, the kids that we had and the fans that we had, and they talk about the atmosphere at this game, our, our fans play a huge part in that. And, 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 you know, I love our Mississippi State fans. And, and, you know, we've used the term family here a lot at Mississippi State. And, uh, you know, and I believe that's true. And I come from a, you know, I'm one of three and my dad's one of eight. And here's the thing with family, you know, everything's not always going to be peaches and cream and it's not going to be, you know, sunshine and unicorns. There are going to be disagreements. Sometimes I'm going to disagree with what my brother says. Sometimes he's going to disagree with what I have to say. But at the end of the day, when someone tries to come between you, all right, you're going to get back to back and you're going to fight your way out. And that's one thing that I appreciate is the passion of Mississippi State fans. But at the end of the day, they're going to defend their school and they're going to support their kids and they're going to support their coaches. So they played a, played a, a huge role in that. You know, you look at 17 to the 21 kids uh, being from in-state, and I think that's important that, that we dominate our state. And I think we've done a very, very good job. Uh, making sure that, you know, the message that we sent, we want to keep the, the, the top town at home where it's not like a place where a kid's born in the state and he has a talent and the expectation level is that he goes out of state and he goes somewhere else. You know, that's part of been my philosophy here that we got to do whatever we can to keep the best players in the state of Mississippi home and turn this into a place where kids don't have to go other places, where they could be Jeffrey Simmons, where they could be Kylan Hill, where they could be the type of kids that can achieve, achieve all their dreams athletically, academically, and socially at their state university and turn this into a championship program that we win the SEC and we compete for a national championship. I'm sorry, I'm getting fired up. All right, but, but it was a huge day. Uh, you know, great job by Bill and his staff as well and our, our marketing and social media. But, uh, you know, we can delve into some of the specifics. But uh, great day to be a dog and uh, great to add 22 tremendous kids and their families to our program. Yeah, listen, the, the one thing that – this is year 21, and I've done it at different levels of football, but have done it at the BCS level. and. I cannot recall a year when you have 21 commitments going into signing day and you get all 21 of those kids signed and there's not a defection or there's not – we got one good surprise today with no, no bad surprises. And I think, once again, that's a testament to the coaches in this state and the surrounding states. It's a testament to the, the parents and, and, and the, the, the players and their belief in us and the direction of this program and where we're going. And quite frankly, it's a testament to, to, to our, our, I think, blue-collar, hard-nosed work ethic that, that – you may do a lot of things better than us. One thing you're not going to do better than me and this staff and recruiting is you're not going to outwork us. It ain't going to happen. It's just not going to happen. And, 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 you know, talking to my wife this morning, she said, I've seen, I mean, you've always been a tenacious recruiter. You've always gotten after it. But for the last two years, I've never seen you work as hard as you have at recruiting uh, and, and the staff as well, because attitude reflects leadership. So to, to, ha to have 21 kids committed and have 21 kids sign on signing day and not have, that's, and then once again, a credit to our staff, a credit to our kids, and a credit to the parents. You mentioned all the guys that you got in state, uh, 17 to 21, I think you said. Uh, is that right? That's not, 22, I'm sorry, 21, I apologize. Um, when you first came here, obviously you want to be able to recruit in state. Do you feel like you've lived up to that expectation? And what have your experiences been like uh, being so successful and getting a lot of the Mississippi State guys to come to Mississippi State? No, it's, I mean, I think we've done a very good job. You know, obviously when we got here year one, I think I was hired on the 26th and signing day one that far away. And, and, and as much as that was was management rather than evaluation and a relationship building, because that, that's a, something you had to do very quickly. But you look at last year's class and, and this year's class on top of it, uh, and you go through the rankings and, you know, see, see who the top players in the state were and maybe some of the developmental guys. And I think that's 
part of the beauty of this state that you're going to have guys who are highly ranked and justifiably so, and you've got to do a great job keeping those guys at home. But this is one of the most unique states that I've seen where it's not oversaturated or over-recruited from, from, uh, from a national standpoint. And you can go in and find a guy like Caleb Ducking who's got no offers, and, and he comes to your camp, and no one knows about him, and he walks out of here with an SEC offer. So uh, to, to answer your question, I think we've done a very, very good job in state. Uh, I know you're not going to get all of them, but once again, if we could just make a concerted effort between you know, the coaches, the players, the families, and our staff to, to, to keep the best at home, then we can be like everyone else and, and do what everyone else is doing. And obviously, listen, I know it gets frustrating sometimes because you, you want to offer them all, but you can't. You know, there's some that are good enough, but you just can't offer because of needs or because of numbers like that. But I promise you, we're doing our, our dangness to make sure that this thing starts inside out. And we're, we're evaluating and developing relationships and doing our best to keep the, all the kids in state at home. All right, Shane. So like I said, this is what you want. And I think, you know, it's it's just it's going to be something hard for me to stop talking about Ole Miss when we're, we're talking <laughs> Mississippi State all offseason. But I think this is perfect for kind of like we were saying, Ole Miss wants to make that splash higher. They want all these headlines. But what is the value of all that flair if there's no substance to it, whereas Mississippi State, I can already see it now, Shane. Everyone's going to be picking, you know, Ole Miss. They had a, they were looking good down the stretch. If not for mm-hmm. a boneheaded play, they win the Egg Bowl. They've got, they've upgraded at head coach. They got all this young talent. Let's pick them over Mississippi State, who we don't know if Joe Moorhead can coach. But, you know, uh, Colin Hill's off to the NFL. Mississippi State, they're done. And I think that's exactly what Mississippi State wants you to think. And they're bringing yeah. in all these junior college kids ready to make an impact year three of the Joe Moorhead era. Uh, we're not getting any drama during the early, the early signing period. And this is after, you know, weeks and weeks of speculation of coach Moorhead is even going to be there. They're not, they didn't have any decommitments, any big time decommitments. They got all their kids. They're looking, they've got a top 25 class. I think this is playing perfectly for Joe Moorhead and company. And now, like I said, in year three, the, the product he puts on the field next year, it's almost all going to be his guys moving forward. So I think now we're really going to find out uh, what Coach Moorhead's Mississippi State program is all about moving forward. Dude, he's all pumped up, man, ain't he? He's ready to play. <laughs> <laughs> this I, is the Coach Moorhead we want. I mean, yeah. half the time he's sitting there reading a damn document, it's it's like, why are you even there? And then when he's all fired up and passionate, it's, that just seems to be, I don't know, it just seems a lot more authentic to me. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, man. This is this is the coach I like here. I don't I hate that monotone. You know, I kind of drift off Coach Moorhead. <laughs> you know, this, I like the fired up part. I like him cussing in the locker room. You know, because that's that's who he is, man. That's uh, you know, Miss. There's a lot of there's a lot of hype coming out of Ole Miss. Okay, your neighbors. There's not a lot of hype coming out of Mississippi State, and there should be because it's a better team. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Here, here he went in. He he had his list of guys he wanted, and he got every single one of them. And they got to keep growing. I mean, the state of Mississippi. This is what's so tricky about that state. It's kind of a hotbed, man. I mean, think about it. If you can control those borders, if you can be the team, and you can, I mean, you're you're going to have players 
you know, every now and then going to Alabama or going to Georgia or pulled out of Tennessee, you know, that's going to happen. But you can't have Kentucky come in your backyard to get your second best player. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You've got to you've got to protect the borders. And if Mississippi, Mississippi State keeps doing what they're doing and they keep just just keep <laughs> Joe keeps his nose to the grind here. I'm telling you, he he can he can just build a successful powerhouse team by keeping the players that are in Mississippi as it is, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, Shane, they've got an assistant on their staff by the name of Tony Hughes. Mm -hmm. He worked under Dan Mullen as well. He knows everybody in that damn state when it comes to high school football from, you know, the bigger programs to the backwoods where you got a 20 minutes down a dirt road. I mean, he knows everybody. He's one of those guys. And you kind of hit on it there with, uh, you know, building through Mississippi and how underrated it is, I know for a fact, I've talked to people that do the evaluations at some of these recruiting services, they're not going down to these rural areas if there's just like one guy to come watch. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not worth their time to take a three-hour trip to come watch some offensive lineman that, you know, plays at a small school. And if these kids don't make it to a camp, you know, a rivals camp, a 247, a Nike camp, or what have you, a lot of times they don't get discovered by these bigger programs, by these evaluators, and you look up and down these rosters. Now, Mississippi State signed a number of four stars, so I'm not I'm not calling out the entire class or anything, but sometimes you look at it and they go, well, hell, they got, you know, double-digit three stars. Mm-hmm. These kids can't play, but a lot, some of these kids are the kids I'm talking about where these recruiting services, and at, again, I'm not – I don't want anyone to say that I'm bashing them because I think they do a tremendous job, but it's not really worth their time to send someone on a eight hour journey to go watch one, one kid. You know what I mean? They want to, they want to stay in the bigger cities where they have a chance to watch five prospects in a single night. So there's a lot of times where Mississippi state and Ole Miss can kind of discover a kid no one else knows about and they like it that way so Mm -hmm. uh, you just never know I think Joe Moorhead that's kind of what he's hitting at here learning the value of the in-state learning the value of the junior college programs there and uh, you know I'll be interested to see that he sounds really fired up about a lot of these kids and uh, I I think that's the way he ought to be absolutely I love it all right let's jump on down to Athens Shane where Kirby Smart and his crew they've got a big game coming up here They've got another appearance in the Sugar Bowl. I know, you know, the, the fans not too fired up about it. Just went to a Sugar Bowl. We all know how disappointing that was. But here we are. The Bulldogs got another elite class. Uh, but there's a lot of questions lingering. I mean, he, we don't have the clips here uh, because he didn't really get into it. But he was asked twice about kind of the offense, the future of the offense. And he's wanting to talk about recruiting or the Sugar Bowl. And everybody's trying to figure out, well, who's the coordinator next year? They're, they're <laughs> acting like, you know, uh, James Coley's already been fired. I don't, to my knowledge, I don't think he's going to get fired. I think if they, <laughs> they could have got Bobo, maybe, but obviously that didn't happen. So a lot of unanswered questions here in Georgia. They want to see how this team shows up because make no mistake, I know Baylor doesn't have a lot of four and five star players, and Georgia's got them all up and down the roster. But we've already seen, Shane, Georgia's disinterested in a bowl game. Uh, We know what can happen. So uh, let's kick it over to Kirby Smart, who talks a a lot about his team and and how they're going to handle the bowl game. And then I also thought these were interesting comments on uh, their quarterback, signee Carson Beck, 
I mean, hell, this kid could be the starter next year. He's going to be an early enrollee. He also talks about Jake Fromm's future with the program. And then uh, this is the first time we've really heard Kirby talking about the hire of Matt Luke, so I wanted to include these clips as well. Kirby, um, I guess uh, if you talk about Carson Beck, but also the quarterback situation, are you going to look for another one in this class? And what kind of communication have you had with Jake about whether he's going to come back? Yeah, start with Carson. Excited as I can be. This this guy's come to camp since maybe his ninth grade year um, to our place. Uh, has grown up and uh, gotten better with each and every year. Uh, he came this summer, uh, hung out with our guys. Uh, can't say enough about Carson, his family, uh, the competitive nature that, that's inside him. He's been a winner. He won a state championship uh, last year, you know, at Mandarin, which is has probably never been done before. I think at their school, so. Uh, he led those guys to that and did a great job. As far as any others, we're, we're looking for all positions. We've got some spots left, and we're looking at every position out there to sign best available players. And that signing the second quarterback is not out of the question, uh, but it's not necessarily something we have to do. As far as Jake, you know, we, we do with Jake exactly what we do with every player on our team. We, we bring them in. We, we talk to teams. I talk to general managers. I talk to organizations. Uh, we get information. We give those kids that information. Uh, this is a time when they're able to do that, and then when we get closer to the bowl game, we put it away, and then we come back and revisit it. And we've done those things with Jake. To the table. Coach, what was your um, level of familiarity with, with Matt Luke before the hire? I guess I went back and looked. You guys actually were on the field a couple of times against one another back in the day. And what do you expect him to bring? I mean, obviously he's an offensive line coach, but what does he bring beyond that? Yeah, we're really fortunate and excited to get him. He was the minute that I found out about Sam, the first guy that came to my mind and uh, wanted to visit with. Uh, I've had a lot of respect for the job he's done everywhere he's been from the years you know he was at Duke. Um, he kind of came up under Coach Cutcliffe and uh, played for him and, and he's been a good friend of mine for a long time. And uh, got a lot of respect for what he does, how he does it. Uh, I've been in SEC meetings with him now for a while. Uh, very sharp, very intelligent guy, and that's kind of come to to the realization on the road. When you're going to home with him, he's got command, he's got presence. Kids like him. Uh, his team there, all the guys on their team, uh, loved him as a head coach. And uh, to do what he's done in the short amount of time he's done it, pretty remarkable um, because it was a it was a tough timing situation. And you know, so happy for Sam and Jamie the opportunity they've gotten, but. Uh, he's come in, Matt's come in, and, and put the put the put the Band-Aid on the bleeding, and done a tremendous job, and uh, turned those those three guys around pretty quick, and uh, will continue to recruit the others. Yeah, Coach, looking at the the transcript from the uh, SEC championship game press conference, you said something to the effect of not bringing guys to bowl games that weren't engaged. Does that mean that if they're not playing in the game, they're not going to be there? Is it is it that cut and dry? And also about lessons learned from last year specifically, can, is there a, a team-wide sentiment that what happened last year isn't going to – I mean, is anybody just come right out and said that? No, I think we've got really good leaders on this team, though, and a lot of those guys have addressed uh, the attitude and the practice habits and all those things. And like I just said, they've been really great. They've been awesome. They've handled that really well. Um, as far as going to the bowl game or not, the, both those two guys have been tremendous. They've been awesome. but. They let us know what they're going to do. They're they're working out. They're they're getting ready to prepare for the draft. So we don't really have a decision to be made there. Coach, you touched on this in one of the uh, teleconferences you had uh, earlier about the Sugar Bowl. But 
How seriously do you think your guys are approaching this game as opposed to last year? I thought they approached it serious last year. We, we didn't play real well, but mm -hmm. we had a bunch of young guys that, uh, that got to play on defense. And, you know, offensively we had turnovers. When you have turnovers, you don't you don't win football games. We, 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 we've uh, kind of gotten to that point. And we're at a zero turnover margin in there at a plus 14. So for the last four, day, four days, we've been banging that home. We can't, can't have turnovers and win football games. So um, certainly uh, excited to give our guys an opportunity. They've all uh, embraced uh, the challenge, and that's that's what you do as a leader. You, you, you confront and demand and say, this is how we're going to do it, and if you don't do it to the standard, then you don't play. And all these kids have been great. They've done a good job of that. All right, Shane, so based on that there, it doesn't really sound like Jake from we really know what his status is going to be moving forward. It doesn't sound like Kirby knows. Uh, they may have a new quarterback, may have a new coordinator, new offensive line coach, they may, I don't want to say they're going to, you know, it remains to be seen how they're going to show up in this bowl game, but hell, let's just imagine, and I know Georgia's a big, you know, they should win this Sugar Bowl, but it's not always, the bowl games don't always play out how you imagine. If they have another disappointing Sugar Bowl performance, and they've got all these questions on the offensive side of the ball all off season, I mean, it's going to get interesting down there in Athens. They, they have to find some answers in a hurry. I, I'm like really worried about this game, Mike. I, I don't know about you, but uh, I'm doing, I, I tried to do that bold predicting thing, you know, we didn't really get to do it until late, but I, I threw it together and I was, I was like, how much, how confident am I in this Georgia game? You know, and with the guys going to the draft, mm -hmm. uh, some of these players banged up, uh, I don't know how committed Fromm is now, you know, that's just, I, you know, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I am, I am worried about this bowl game. Now, I'm not worried about Georgia as a team. I'm more worried about this game because of the disappointment on how the season ended. Like, do they limp into this thing and say, you know what? Hell, we didn't make the playoffs. Let's get this thing over with. You know, mm -hmm. is that the kind of attitude we're going to have? I hope that there are some seniors, upperclassmen on this, on maybe even freshmen. Who knows? I don't know who's leading this thing. You know, I don't know who the captains are going to be. Uh, but maybe there's a changing of guard, and some of these young players are saying, you know what? Yeah, this didn't work out, but we ain't going to let it happen again. And, and it, you know, we're all this time and practice is building to the future. And 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 maybe it's, a, a, a like I said, a resurgence of, of youth, and, and this comes out. But I... As far as just uh, game time vibes, man, I'm not I'm not feeling too good about this one. And you got to imagine Kirby is probably going to take some different steps than he took last year. He kind of downplayed his team's performance, but hell, I called that when I saw that one coming. So hopefully they you know change a couple things up. I think the I think a lot of these players will be motivated not to have the same mistake happen twice, but. You never know if they give up an early touchdown, if, if there's a turnover, you know, I could easily see them, I don't want to say quitting, but just kind of being disinterested in it, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I like I said, I, it just doesn't feel, I don't know, not a lot of people talking about it. A lot of people are talking about recruiting. 
A lot of people are talking about the future. A lot of people now want to curious about Jake Fromm. You know, mm-hmm. Mel Kiper came out and said, you know, Jake Jake Fromm's draft stocks behind Jacob Eason. That's what we're talking about with Georgia right now. We're not talking about this bowl game and how important it is. You know, we're talking about recruiting and on to the next phase. So I, I know there's a lot of storylines coming out of Athens, and I, I just hope they don't they don't take their eye off the prize because you know it's embarrassing to lose to teams like Baylor you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. i mean not i mean we 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 bash that conference all year long <laughs> and now we have an opportunity to show them why the sec is the best and it feels like these types of games are the ones we overlook you know mm-hmm. all right Shane, let's kick it down to tuscaloosa where Alabama, they've got the number two recruiting class in the nation right now, no, number one in the SEC, so they're killing it. But it sounds like they got some guys we don't even know about. Nick Saban kind of teased some secret signings here. He also <laughs> asked uh, or touched on Alabama addressing their needs. And then he went on uh, quite a long spiel here about Bryce Young. He sounds really fired up about their five-star quarterback who – and we still don't know Tua's status moving forward. This kid could be Alabama starter next season. Um, the players that we were able to attract, um, I think we have 20 guys that we can talk about. We have several more guys that will either sign later or have already signed but have not released it yet. And we have agreed not to release it for them. Uh, so those guys we really you know, can't talk about. But. I guess you touched on it there, but what, what, what were some of the biggest needs you guys identified for this signing class? Well, I, I think that, you know, defensive players, um, you know, we wanted to get a couple more guys up front. I think we did, um, you know, and we're going to still try to add to that, you know, in the future. Um, edge players, which we just talked about, um, you know, we wanted to get at least uh, four DBs, which I think if it's not – been released so far it will be by the end of the day um so um you know two safeties and two corners to you know sort of add to that group Uh, we've been trying to play catch up since we had the six guys leave a couple years ago um all at once four seniors and two guys go out early for the draft so it's been a work in progress to try to develop enough depth in that group but uh that's that was a need um we always want to at least replace you know, the, the offensive linemen. So we, we, we feel good about that, which I know some of it hasn't been released yet. Um, so, you know, wide receiver, um, you always try to <coughs> want to do things one year in advance, um, not knowing for sure the future at that position uh, in some ways. Uh, always important to get a really quality quarterback, which, you know, we feel really good about Bryce. Uh, young, I mean, you know, the guy was um, outstanding as a high school player, very mature, very smart, good leader, uh, played in a great program, has high expectations for uh, himself as well as what the team should accomplish. Um, and, you know, we felt like depth at running back uh, was something that we needed as well. Uh, we still want to recruit. Uh, we got one tight end, um, and we still would entertain, you know, another one at that position. So um, we still have a, a few spots that we'd like to add to, but, you know, that's kind of um, – there wasn't one specific thing, but, you know, sort of what are you going to lose versus what are you going to gain uh, type of approach and, you know, how we want to try to recruit guys. You know, I spoke, you know, 
quite a bit about Bryce already. Um, so, um, you know, I just absolutely love the guy. I love his character. He's got a great family. Um, he's got all the right stuff, and I think that's really important at the quarterback position. Um, you know, I've, you've heard me say this many, many times before. You know, when you play quarterback, it's hard to play that position if the people around you don't play well. Uh, so having great leadership qualities can really contribute to that. And I think, you know, Bryce certainly, you know, possesses those qualities. All right, Shane. So I just really wanted to throw that tease in there for the Alabama fans. Definitely sounds like Alabama's got some some guys they're going to be announcing during the, you know, the high school All-American games, going to be picking the Crimson Tide. So that that's going to be interesting. But uh, thoughts on that, Shane, and thoughts on Nick Saban. Hell, I don't think I've ever heard him talk so well of a quarterback like he has Bryce Young here. <laughs> Dude, you know, I listened to I listened to Nick probably like three times. Okay, the first one I was just so shocked he sounded happy. You know, <laughs> I, I thought there was going to be something. You know that they ventured down the left path and he's got to do his little spiel, but you know he seemed pretty positive about the future down there. But the second reason I listened, Mike, was because he said, if you caught it, we've got one tight end and we could use another. And he mentioned (laughs) at the start, (laughs) you see where I'm going with this. He mentioned at the start that there's a few that have signed but aren't going to commit until a later date and they're going to hold that. So why would he say we could use another tight end? Or unless he's just playing with me because there's a lot of people – there's a lot of people, including you, that think the number one tight end that's left is going to be going to Alabama. That's correct, Shane. Everybody's got Darnell Washington going to Georgia. Everybody on Rocky Top's got him going to Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's going to shock a lot of people here going to, I believe he's going to the Under Armour All-American game. I think the pick is going to be Alabama. I think he's already signed with them. Okay, so you just think Saban's messing with everybody. I mean, he's the master for a reason, isn't he? Yeah, he really is. He really <laughs> is. And he's, I don't know, he's saying all the right things. It, it feels to me, after listening to this one, that uh, Alabama got the perfect class. And that's not, you know, you usually don't hear something like that. I've never felt that confident after listening to Nick Saban talk about his his recruits. But I'm telling you, man, I, he, he loves Tua, but he's in love with Bryce. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong if you're a tight end because if you go, I'm not saying Georgia's not good, you know, is not a great pick for a five star, but hell, we don't know who the quarterback is going to be. We don't know about the offense. You go to Alabama, it's going to be either Tua or probably this Bryce Young. Mm-hmm. That I mean, that makes it kind of a lot easier for me. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Rocky Top with Jeremy Pruitt recapped his uh, signing class here and you know the biggest thing there's two kind of main takeaways for me obviously they signed 10 kids from in-state that was a significantly higher number than last season but the biggest thing Tennessee fans got to get fired up about you know size isn't everything but at the same time in the SEC you just can't really win without it and man he got him some big guys in this one I mean you just go up and down it's it seems like the average height is about 6'4". The average weight's about 3'10". And this is like all up and down the entire roster here. So uh, Jeremy Pruitt doing a good job flipping that roster in a hurry. So he talks about 
the size and what he looks for in a recruit. And then uh, I just thought this was kind of interesting because you never know how these situations play out. But you, you sign someone that uh, maybe plays quarterback in high school or running back, and then everybody thinks that you're just going to flip them to receiver and, and linebacker and what have you. Uh, I thought this was some good insight here, Jeremy Pruitt, on how he kind of lets the kids decide where they want to start their college career, and I think that's obviously the right approach. Just how how do you describe the impact of just pure size and speed when you're just evaluating a guy holistically, but just those two things? Well, there's critical factors for every position. You know, and that, that comes if you're talking about a defensive back, you're going to talk about how you play the ball in the deep part of the field, how you tackle in space, uh, how can you play man-to-man. But there has to be some kind of, um, you know, you got to have a plan for what is that size and speed that you're looking for. You know, football players come in all shapes and sizes. Uh, so sometimes there are exceptions to the rules, but we would like the bigger, the longer, the faster guys that we can find, right? But um, as we go through that, you know, size and speed matters, but to me, how you play on the field matters the most. Um, and and the next thing to me is 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 what kind of makeup do you have? What's what kind of intangibles do you have? Are you a are you a captain on your high school team? Um, what does the people in your school say about you? How do you affect your teammates? Uh, that's important when you're building a team. Jeremy, when when you and your staff are recruiting a guy who could slot into multiple positions, someone like a, a Lineth Whitehead or Jimmy Holiday, but but they have a preference to play a particular position, how do you handle that? You know, when we recruit our guys, we, we're going to recruit them for a certain position, and all these guys know exactly what they want to play, and we're going to allow them to play exactly what they want to play. Um, it doesn't do us any good to recruit somebody, tell them one thing, and play them at another position. So. Uh, we're going to play these guys at the positions that they want to play. Over the years, have I seen that change? You know, when, when Bryce Thompson got here, he was a quarterback in high school. So when we recruited him, we said, listen, we're going to recruit you as an athlete, probably be a wide receiver. Uh, when he got here, you know, he asked if he could try a defensive back. So he, he made that decision. Uh, Alante Taylor's a guy that was a high school quarterback, right? So when he gets here, he works uh, the first half of spring as a wide receiver, the second half – uh, as a defensive back, and then from there he decided what he wanted to play. So we let the players decide. All right, Shane, so you see what I'm saying there, but, uh, you know, we all kind of get into it where, you know, we assume they're just going to recruit these kids. Oh, yeah, you can play whatever the hell you want. And then day one it's, here's the receiver playbook, former quarterback, <laughs> you know, but he makes a great point. I mean, in today's day and age of transfers and all this, like, you just can't do it that way. I mean, if you lie or deceive someone on the recruiting trail, I mean, they're going to tell their friends about it. Um, it's just it's just not going to work out for you. And uh, I, I think this is the right approach to, to how Jeremy Pruitt's doing it here. Absolutely. They're going to blast you on social media on their way out the door. You know, <laughs> this is – you're right. This is this – is, the new age, man. This, you've got to be transparent. You've, if a kid wants to play a certain position, you let him play that position because, if, like you said, if he doesn't get that opportunity, guess what? He's leaving. He's going to go try it somewhere else. So uh, I really like this. Um, it makes sense. And, you know, and it's something that Coach was pretty firm about when he was talking about it, you know. Right. And, I mean, I think there's really smart ways you can go about it. You know, let's say someone like a Jimmy Holiday where – 
you let him try it at quarterback, give him the whole spring, maybe even the summer, uh, see how well he grasps the playbook, see how well he performs during, you know, training camp and what have you. But if you're being honest with him and, you know, he's watching, let's say, Garantano or, or Brian Maurer, what have you, and they are just so far advanced than him, you know, you, you kind of got to let him know if you really want to stay at quarterback, you know, we'd love to have you there. We need depth always at quarterback or you could start at receiver. I mean, that, I, yeah. I think that's how they kind of did it with Juwan Jennings. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's an easy decision to make because you want to be on the field. You want to display your talents and uh, you're just not going to do it if you're just crammed on the bench, you know? Yeah. And, and who knows? He may be able to pick up the playbook. He may be. You know what I'm saying? How many times have, have you looked back and – seen a J.J. Watt at tight end, you know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> that, that position didn't work, and then next thing you know, he's he's a freaking stud pro bowler, you know. And it's just you just never know with recruitings and how these high schools use these athletes. So, you know, the, a lot of these coaches can, can look at tangibles, you know, and, and can articulate that they can play a specific position. But, you know, you really just don't know until they get into the system. And, and who, who says, man, Holiday can't be the best damn quarterback to come out since Peyton Manning, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying – I'm not ruling that out either. Right, and here's a good example, Shane. Who's going to win MVP in the NFL right now? Lamar Jackson, yeah. Do you, do you know uh, Will Muschamp recruited him at Florida, right? No, I didn't know that. But he didn't recruit him as a quarterback. He recruited him as a defensive <laughs> <laughs> Did he really? And that's why he didn't go there. So, you know, you find these dynamic athletes, if they're if they're dead set on being a quarterback, you may think they should be a DB or a receiver, what have you, but you got to give them that shot to prove you wrong. And, I mean, that's, that's an extreme example. But, hell, Lamar Jackson's proven a lot of people wrong in his career. You know, he refused to go to the combine for the same reason. He he just he was afraid people were going to draft him as a receiver. Mm-hmm. You know, so his mom told him not to go. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. All right, let's jump on down to Lexington, Shay, where Mark Stoops recapped his signing class, and it was an outstanding one. I, it seems like it's been uh, oh four or five days since I tweeted out my biggest winners and losers, and. Uh, of the early signing period, did not have Kentucky amongst the winners. I'm still still hearing it from Big Blue Nation here. But, again, they did a hell of a job overall in the class. Um, they were right on the edge of that. This is the best class Kentucky has ever signed under Mark Stoops. Probably the best class they've ever signed. That's something kind of Mark Stoops. You know, he didn't want to go that far with it. I don't think he wants to anoint these kids before they even get on campus. But he noted that, uh, hell, the better we do, the better player pool we get to select from. I mean, that's an obvious thing, but that's something that Kentucky fans are living right now. Uh, he talks about the class the, and the line of scrimmage players. And I, this is a really good uh, antidote here he has on Josiah Haynes, uh, the the outstanding Mississippi lineman. They, they got away from uh, basically every SEC West team. You know, you heard me talk many times about build, select, and develop. And as we get better and continue to recruit, um, we can be more selective and 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 make sure we we are uh, recruiting the players that best fit University of Kentucky and best fit our organization. And uh, 
really proud of this this class of 19 uh, signatures at this point. Mark, we know what the websites say. Is this? Do you think this is your best class that you've signed at Kentucky? I don't know. You know, I don't. Not, I don't. Uh, you know, that, that's up to y'all. I guess you could look at it and see. We'll, we'll tell you in three or four years. You know, <laughs> that's the big thing. Um, I could tell you. I am very confident in this group. Um, I really feel uh, very strong about this group, uh, both as, as football players and probably more importantly um, as young men and what they do away from the field and the leadership that I feel that we have within this group. You've had success recruiting in the trenches previously, but it feels like this year there's even more star power than before. Yeah, I think it's uh, a really good class when you look at that. If you're looking at the O-line and D-line, um, you know, offensive line with five guys and, um, you know, five quality players there. And, um, and then defensive line, you know, we have three. If you put Sam in that group, who's a really big guy, much like a Josh Allen, um, you know, you have four along the front right there. And we're going to continue. Uh, to recruit uh, one or two more, but uh, but it's really a strong class, you know, with our with our front guys. More so. You know, you look at uh, Coach Summerall, John Summerall, going into Mississippi and signing Josiah. That was a uh, enormous get for us, and that was one that you really kind of feel like you pulled a rabbit out of a hat today, you know. And uh, you know, we really kept that really far under the radar for a lot of reasons, um, and. Uh, you know, Coach did a really good job, and Josiah's a, a fantastic young guy and a great player and a great person. And so that's a big get going into Mississippi and getting a number two rated player in, in the state of Mississippi. We'll see. Um, All right, Chase. So there you got it from Mark Stoops. I mean, he he's kind of I don't want to say holding his tongue here, but I think he knows he's got a hell of a class here. Uh, but he just doesn't maybe he just doesn't want those kids getting too big of a head. But uh, I mean, I don't know. Kentucky, it, it just seems like every every episode we do, they just continue to, you know, take steps in the right direction and just kind of, uh, I don't know. It just seems like it's a new era there in Lexington. Well, I think he wants to, you know, tamper expectations too. You know, a lot of times, a lot of times you see a great recruiting class and, and fan base expects immediate results. You know, next year, if Josiah Hayes isn't on the field, they're going to want to know why. Well, maybe because he's a soft 308. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You've got to develop. It's not, this isn't like, you know, basketball. You know, you can't just roll them out there and expect them to, to perform. Some of these guys still got to develop and build that SEC frame, you know. So I, I think that's what it's about, you know, because they did go heavy with the offense defensive line, which they've got some fantastic names, man. If you look at 24-7 or rivals, you it's easy to get enamored by the, the amount of talent you got coming in. But, you know, with linemen, it's tricky. You can't, you know, it, it's very rare that one or two of them come in and just start performing. Usually it's later in the season, you know. Yeah, and that is something that uh, Stoops also kind of hit on, the fact that, you know, he thinks it's a little disrespectful to the current players on the team. If you're re recruiting these kids and telling them, hell, you, yeah, you will be 
you'll be a starter here day one. You know what I mean? You've got to, mm-hmm. he's not going to say that because he's got kids in his previous classes that he's recruited that have come in there and working hard and now it's their time. And that's not to say he won't start a freshman, but he's only going to do that if they outwork, outperform, out execute these upperclassmen he's already got on his roster. And I think, again, kind of like with Jeremy Pruitt, what we had to say, I mean, you have to be honest. That's the only way to do it. And uh, now that Kentucky is winning more and more on the field, I think that approach, you know, kind of hits home to where I'm sure as soon as he got there, you know, his first few recruit classes, it was, yes, sign here. You probably will play day one. (laughs) That's just not the case anymore. Yeah. All right, Chad, let's uh, jump in down to Fayetteville. We're old Sam Pittman, the barbecue master, uh, talking up his class here on uh, not only, you know, I thought this was an interesting comment, but it, this has to be the right, right approach. You know, first-time head coach, first-time program builder. It's, it's very easy to make mistakes, and I'm not saying Sam Pittman is perfect. I'm not saying he's not going to make mistakes, but I love this comment he's got here. Arkansas desperate for depth. Desperate for some talent. Their recruiting class was, what the hell, it was like in the one, 112th in the nation, what have you. Mm-hmm. They desperately need to add some guys, but Sam Pittman's not willing to just take anybody. He talks about that on filling out the rest of his staff, which I'm surprised that hasn't happened yet. I, I think we're going to see a lot of assistant movement throughout the next week. I think a lot of these staffs will come together pretty quickly here. And then uh, on the fact that uh, the Razorbacks are going to leave some spots open here for transfers, and he kind of jokes that uh, that's not really an issue at this point. <laughs> <laughs> you have the ability to, to sign the full allotment of 25, or, or where are you at with that? We do. And uh, i tell you this, um, we're going to sign as many good players as we can. But I tell you what we're not going to do, we're not going to sign 25 and five of them we're not doing somersaults for. We, we're going to sign good football players and good people. And if the number ends up at 18, then we'll be fine with it. If it ends up at 22, then we'll be fine with it. But we're going after people that we like, and we're going after them obviously in positions of need. Um, but we're not going to stretch here. Um, we obviously could have had a few more in this class, but we wanted the guys that were signed today. And, and I'm not telling that we didn't want some other guys that may have went somewhere else. I'm not saying that, but the ones that we, we have currently on the roster are the ones that we wanted. Sam, could you speak to the composition of the remaining staff and uh, did you get a linebacker and cornerbacks coach in the last day? and how the rest of this will proceed. <laughs> well, I don't think we've talked about a linebacker coach and a corner coach, but we, have, we like who we, we have on our staff. Um, I would anticipate that we would get completed, uh, I don't know, sometime around Monday or Tuesday of next week. However, uh, we may be looking at some guys that are currently in 
um, a bowl situation, and so um, we may have to wait until uh, their games are completed to uh, to hire them. Coach, the uh, the transfer market is that something that you guys are, are diving into pretty aggressively? Are you looking at that, and and also do you expect to hit the junior college uh, markets? Um, yes and yes. I mean, we're we're certainly have to leave some scholarships available for transfers, uh, for grad transfers. And uh, right now it doesn't seem to be too big of a problem. You know, we'll, we'll fix that when it comes. Uh, but uh, we obviously are in the transfer market at different positions. And junior college-wise, I never want to go heavy junior college because I think we can build our team young. I just want the best players we can get. And so if we can go into the junior colleges and get one, two, three outstanding players that we think can change our program immediately, you have to be right on that now. I mean, you have to be correct in your evaluation. Uh, but I don't think we'd ever sign a whole huge number of junior college players uh, just because I believe you have to base your program out of freshmen and start in the, uh, started in the state of Arkansas. All right, Shane, so what are your thoughts here on what Sam Pittman had to say? And uh, do you agree with me that, uh, yes, Arkansas needs some bodies in there to kind of fill out the roster and, you know, really turn around the program here, but – if you take, you know, even if you only take, you know, five or six, if you take the wrong kids, it just having them is not really going to help you. Do you don't you think? No, that's the thing. Sam Pittman may be a first time head coach, but he's not a first time coach. He's been around some great programs. He knows how to build these things. He knows what it takes to be you know, dominant in the SEC. And, and it's not just filling your roster. I mean, there's going to be times that they're going to have to, you know, have an opportunity where they could take a transfer or, or an opportunity to pick up a Juco, something he talks about, you know. Mm -hmm. you, you, you know, yeah, wait. And if you don't get it, that's okay. You can have more next year, you know. So I, I think this is the right – the the right move here you don't want to have just names and be stuck with them for three or four years you know what i'm saying right yeah because that's just and then it and then what happens when you do need the spot and then you see this you've heard it a little bit uh i remember in florida they they remove a scholarship you know mm -hmm. and then then it's used against you as negative recruiting in the future so i just think you got to be smart you came in here behind the eight ball just just get what you can like you said and if we're not doing cartwheels with them we ain't taking them yeah and you just made me th realize obviously the way he's building his staff i mean they got ties at missouri they got obviously ties at georgia they got ties to they just hired the junior college coach i mean they are going to have ties to a lot of players that are probably eligible for you know immediate eligibility to transfer whether they're mm -hmm. graduates or junior college or what have you so don't make any mistakes in high school recruiting. I know that's the way you want to build it, but you may not be able to get 25 high schoolers in, even though they've got till February to do it. If they, hell, if they got to go 10 JUCOs this, this year or 10 
transfers, what have you. I know that's not ideal, but that may be the avenue and that may be the right approach just this year for the Razorbacks. Yep. All right, Shane, let's kick it down to College Station where Jimbo Fisher quietly getting another top 10 class here. He's stacked, I believe, three in a row here. And we're going to start to see the fruits of all this hard work on the recruiting trail pay off for the Aggies. Uh, Jimbo's talking about uh, the impact of his defensive back signings, some of these kids ready to come in immediately. I really liked what he had to say here about Jay Sean Corbin, their running back that uh, was the starter when they started the season, but now he's entered the portal. On the quarterback signee, Hayes King, really like this kid. And then, you know, whenever they get one of these legacy kids, there are a lot of expectations, but I've heard a lot of great things about Musin Muhammad III. And, uh, he, you know, Texas A&M went all the way to North Carolina to land this kid, but I think they're getting <laughs> a good one here. Two questions, Coach. First, uh, uh, going with George, the JUCO transfer, how much uh, was that wanting to get someone who could step in immediately to, to kind of help short that Well, position. not only that. I mean, I think our young freshmen will be able to do that. I think Jalen Moten and all those Jones, and I think they all can too. But he was just – he was a value. If we evaluate his talent, we thought he was a very, very special talent. And and to have that and know – hopefully, you know, as a JUCO guy, you want him to make an immediate impact. You'll have that opportunity. But it was, it was one, to have an impact quickly. But, two, his, his talent level was extreme, and we were very comfortable with that. And second question, uh, uh, how much did Jay Sean Corbin's departure surprise you, and um, what reasoning did he give for? Well, I'll keep those private. What we do, I mean, it does surprise me. I have the utmost respect for Jay Sean. He's a tremendous young man and a heck of a player, and would have been for us again. I mean, we were expecting him, and you know, you'll never know how this thing turns out in these portals. I mean, just get guys back, and as you see now, Glenn Beal's back with us. You know, out there practicing, he's back out of the portal and back there with us right now too. So, you know, guys have, have you know, as you talk things out and you work through things, you never know. So, I mean, but at the same time, Jay Sean was a heck of a player and a very good player. But, you know, unfortunately, that's today's day and time sometimes. Um, other than the physical attributes that you look for in a quarterback, what is it that Haynes King showed you that made you want to go after him? Well, and bring I mean, him first of all, he's a winner. He's lost two games in his life. He lost one as a sophomore and one as a senior. He had, he was uh, 29 and one, I think, going in, and they were they seeing that 40 and two or 41 and two. He understands, and he did it with different teams. Last year, he had a tremendous, you know, experienced offensive line receivers and threw for 4,000 some yards and 40 some touchdowns. This year, didn't have his experience uh, at the line in the receivers, and still took his team to an undefeated season through the regular season, took him deep in the playoffs. I mean, the guy understands how to win and, and motivate players, be around guys, and like you say, the intangibles. We measure the physical things, but the tangibles where the players play for him. Do they love him? It's his personality. Your team takes that guy's personality, the competitive nature of him, the toughness of him. Does the defense want to get the ball back for him? Does the offense want to not protect him? And does he inspire you? Can he do the things that make you rise above your level in certain levels of time? And he does that. You look at everything about him when you're around him. This guy is a gym rat. He's a coach's son. He knows ball. Everything about him, you love him. And you feel his toughness when you're around him and his competitiveness. And his physical skills are tremendous. I love everything about him. Yeah, he asked you about coaches, kid. How about a, how about a players, kid? How about Moose and Muhammad? A little bit more about hmm. Moose and and Jamon compared him a little bit to Christian Kirk in terms of just how serious he takes football. Do you think he that, is a very serious, locked in guy? Now, I mean, he he is he's very very mature, very intelligent, understands details of the game. You can have tremendous conversations with him. I mean, really gets it. Understands routes. I mean really, really advanced 
for his age and where he is. And I think the multitude of things he can do, whether he's a slot guy, an outside guy, or vert, I mean, there's a lot of things he can do in, and in the special teams game. I mean, very happy with him. I mean, really am. I, I think he's got a chance to be a really, really good football player. Fun to talk to. I mean, just very mature young man. All right, Shane. So I think Jimbo Fisher taking the perfect approach here to Jay Sean Corbin's, you know, deciding to get into the portal. And he, as he references here, Glenn Beal, the tight end, did the same thing about two weeks ago. Now he's back on the team. Uh, you know, thoughts on what Jimbo had to say here? Yeah, that's the thing, though. The portal's tricky, man. And just because they're in it doesn't mean they're out. You know, it just means you've got to you got to go back to recruiting. You got to find find a reason. A lot of it has to do with positions. You know, like something we were talking about earlier. These guys want to play different spots and mm -hmm. didn't work out, and so they look for a new new place. You've got to convince them that hey, you you know that's not available on this team, but you can play now if you do this. You know, not saying that's what's going on here at uh, A and M, but uh, that portal. Yeah, just because you're in there doesn't mean you're out. It just means you got to get back to recruiting. Now, Haynes King, uh, this was an interesting one, man. Uh, I, I Just because he was so high on the recruits that he got in last year, mm -hmm. I, I was surprised that he's so pumped up about this guy. Have you have you watched a lot of film on, on uh, King? It's kind of cliche to say someone's got, you know, all the tools and an NFL arm and all this, but mm -hmm. from what I've seen about with him, I think he really does got it. So, I mean, this is a situation where I know Kellen Mond's there. If Kellen Mond were to make, you know, a shocking decision here and announce he's going to the NFL, I would not be stunned if Haynes King is the starting quarterback at Texas A&M next year. Now, obviously, I think Kellen Mond could really improve his stock coming back for one last season, and that'd be probably the best thing for Haynes King to kind of come in slowly, but – yeah, I really think this could be a difference maker here where I know what the Aggies have uh, signed a couple of kids that Jimbo really likes at quarterback. His all three of his seasons there, but I think this may be the one that uh, is kind of the guy that takes him to that next level that they want to get to. Yeah, I always keep my eyes on these these dual threat quarterbacks because I don't know, man. I mean, you look at the playoffs, three of them are dual threat quarterbacks. And so it's it's hard not to think okay, which one of these guys are going to pop? You know, Alabama's got a good one. Mm -hmm. uh, South Carolina's got a good one. But maybe it's Haynes King. We don't know yet. And uh, I don't know. Some of the things I've seen, it looks like he does have the tangibles. And uh, uh, Coach sounds really pumped up about him, though. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of pumped up, Shane, last stop here. Let's jump on down to Columbia. We're Will Muschamp. Uh, pretty fired up here. They got a you know, for all the speculation about his job status, the fact that they signed number 16 recruiting class in the nation, that's, I mean, that's really impressive. It's hard to believe that was accomplished there. But, and here's another way to look at it. You know, I'm not saying you keep a coach strictly because of recruiting, but, you know, what do we see even with Lane Kiffin landed at Ole Miss, uh, Eli Drinkowitz at Missouri, Sam Pittman at Arkansas? I mean, you're just kissing a damn recruiting class goodbye. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, the, those ramifications could be felt for years on your roster. And here all these people wanted to get rid of Muschamp. They just got another top class here. Uh, I, I don't know. You got you to gotta factor in all these things when you're, when you're wanting to, yeah, let's just pay $20 million. <laughs> Who are we going to get in here <laughs> to hell with the recruiting class? I mean, 
all these factors, you got to play that in. I think uh, South Carolina, I think they're going to really benefit from keeping Muschamp if they can kind of turn the corner, but that's kind of neither here nor there. Uh, let's jump it over to Muschamp, Shane, talking about uh, any concern about the guys that didn't sign. Obviously, we know who he's talking about there on dealing with that <laughs> negative recruiting, on uh, how soon some of these freshmen can come in and play. I thought this was really interesting about him talking about how much he likes watching these kids play basketball. I never heard of a coach talk about it like this. And then finally on uh, the quarterback room next season there in Columbia and, and what it could look like. Will, of the, the guys that have verbally committed but didn't sign, any reason to be concerned uh, that there might be a change in that? Absolutely none. Excited about them. I guess, Will, you kind of talked about some negative recruiting going on at the beginning. <laughs> Just how, do you, how do you deal with that on the recruiting trail when it kind of happens later in the year and then obviously going into the early signing period? You know, we kind of have a policy around here that we're going to promote the University of South Carolina. I don't know how other teams run their program, nor do I care. I don't know what their depth chart looks like. I don't know what they do schematically. I may know, but I'm not going to talk about what people do. And we're going to promote the University of South Carolina. I think that's how you do things with class. And I learned a lot about the stuff I already knew about the people around us. So it's been an interesting, interesting December, I can assure you of that. I know that football is a developmental game, but how quickly do you need some of these skill position players, especially the ones yeah. who are coming in early, to be able to contribute for you, especially after Mike Bobo said a couple of days ago, basically, that you know that some of those guys can get on the field soon? No doubt. And I, I think that, you know, John, you, you look at, number one, the running back position. You know, you know Kevin Harrison, Deshaun Fenwick are the only two scholarship players we've got on the team. And so uh, Marshawn is mid-year. Uh, Rashad's not, and we need to sign another one in the class, which obviously won't, will not be a mid-year enrollee. Uh, so we'll have three scholarship running backs that will be competing in the spring, and those guys that come in uh, in uh, in June need to be ready to go. Hopefully we can get them maybe in may Mester, uh, but that's all depending on their academic and, and their school and their situation. So we've got to work through that. But uh, that's that's where it starts, number one. And then just, you know, guys, when you lose a guy like Brian Edwards, it's uh, been a – Proven playmaker for you, and I think we've got more more than capable guys. Xavier Leggett comes on for us. Shy Smith comes on for us. Randrikas Davis is going to be healthy for the first time in two years. Uh, so I certainly think that we've got some guys, or Trey Smith wasn't healthy all last year. So we got some some pieces of the puzzle here, and certainly to be able to add more guys to that, um, you know, there's, no, there's no doubt about it. They'll have every opportunity in the world. I tell them in the recruiting process, I never promised anybody playing time. But I'll, but I'll promise you this, if you're good enough, you're going to play. If you're the best, you'll start. And we've played more freshmen, I think, in four years than anybody in the country. And you look at last year's team and you look at the success of Jamie Robinson and Zach Pickens, two freshmen All-Americans that contributed a lot to this football team and are going to be really good players for us. But not even past that, Ryan Helensky, Ja'Kai Moore, Jalen Nichols, uh, you know, a lot of guys, Jamar Brown, uh, John Dixon all freshmen that contributed in a major way to our football team. But they'll have every opportunity in the world to step on the field. The fact that you see so many of these guys play basketball, is that just because it correlates with when you're allowed to be on the road? Yeah, mostly? that's where it just happens. And I love being able to see a guy run up and down the court, especially a big guy, run up and down the court, change the direction, drop his, drop his, you know, drop his weight and change direction and, and see if he's stiff. See if he can bend in his lower body so his heels stay on the ground. I mean, all those things we're looking for as far as an identifying that. You know, wrestling's another one, you know, to be able to see a guy carry his weight wrestling-wise because you, you better be tough if you're going to get on that mat. 
Will, do you expect Luke to compete for the starting job in spring practice? I expect every player I'm talking about to compete to us for a starting job. What would be your quarterback depth chart right now? Let's get through the off-season program and let's work through that, and Coach Bobo will sit down and we'll talk about it. Luke, uh, I'm sorry. Will, you said that um, there was also some negativity on campus. What did you mean by that? <laughs> Just a little shot. Go ahead. Next question. All right, Shane. So, Muschamp talking about uh, some of these. I mean, there, there's all over the place we can talk here. The <laughs> negative recruiting, the freshman coming into play, and, hell, he's even talking about the quarterback may come in and play immediately. See, I'm telling you what, man. I, I don't think I'm ever going to watch a, a basketball game the same, you know. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see how fluid this kid's hips are, Mike. <laughs> see, if he can, see if he can play on Sunday. So, uh, I, I just no, I, I like this. Uh, what I didn't like was uh, the the negative recruiting talk, Mike. Who are we talking about here? Are we talking Clemson? I think we're clearly talking Clemson, and I also think we're talking the Georgia Bulldogs. <laughs> well, Kentucky was doing it too earlier this week. Did you hear that one? Oh, yeah. Were, were they also talking about Clemson, or were they talking about another orange team? <laughs> I think they were clearly talking about the big orange there, Shane. Not uh, not too happy with some of the recruiting battles that they lost to the Volunteers. But, hell, man, that's just what it is in the SEC. I understand these coaches getting, you know, angry about it, what have you. But I don't know. I mean, that's just the way it is. If you finish, you know, if you've got – the number, like I said, South Carolina's got the number 16 recruiting class in the nation. Yeah. I think it's like ninth or 10th in the SEC. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's just a damn warfare there in recruiting in the SEC. It's probably the number two class in the ACC. So that just gives you an idea of how competitive it is. And, I mean, I'm as long as you're not, uh, you know, breaking any rules here, I think it's all fair in recruiting and uh, I know these coaches get they get emotional when they lose these battles, but hell, maybe they just need to pick it up and and do a little negative recruiting to to keep up. <laughs> well, I'm gonna tell you right right now, Mike. Out of all the class, all the all the teams, you know, Muschamp's a dark horse for the best class, and I say that because of negative recruiting. For everything this administration fumbled this you know, toward the end of this season, uh-huh. you know, I mean, it made it, it had to make it so hard on the trail, you know, convincing these kids to give you four years when your admin won't commit to two, you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> right. it's just, it's just, I, I think with everything he had against him, the fact they were able to pull this class out, he, who knows this, this may be the damn biggest winner this, this year. Yeah, and also when it comes to this class, and I think about uh, four of their top five signees are all early kids. So mm-hmm. that is also going to help the Gamecocks be really interested uh, to see how this class comes together in the years to come. Yeah. But all right, Shane, that's going to do it for this one, I think, unless you got anything before we hop off here. Uh, no, a little long. Uh, I do got some reviews, but I'm going to get that uh, on our next one. Yes, sir. It, it is a late one, so I appreciate you hopping on here, giving up the fine folks. So we had to give you something here for a Monday morning. We're heading into the holidays, so want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, all that jazz, and because uh, we're probably going to be off here the next couple of days just with all that going on. But 
Uh, we've got a bowl matchup here on Friday, Shane. We'll for sure get uh, another pod out before then. We've got to break down some bowl games. We've got a college football playoffs on Saturday. I mean, I'm just fired up for it, just sitting here talking about it. But uh, that's all I got, buddy. Thanks, thanks again for joining me. Thanks, uh, everyone, for tuning in. I'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you, guys. Go Vols. Merry Christmas. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? One second. Let me shut these damn dogs up. <laughs> hey! Hey! What kind of outfit we running here? Huh? <laughs> I'm doing a podcast. I'll be out in a minute. Okay, love you.